1: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football presented by John Donovan and the Longhorn Wealth Management Group. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and C.J. Vogel. And before we get into it, guys, be sure to tell us where you're checking in from. We love to see that, obviously. Get your questions in. We got plenty of time to get to all those. But let's start with recruiting, fellas. Coaches on the road this week. I know they're going to go see a, a big time commit tomorrow. Bobby, what's the latest there?
2: Yes, yeah, Steve Sarkeesian headed to Sarah Land High School tomorrow to visit with K.J. Lacey, uh, the quarterback out of uh, Mobile area uh, that has been committed to Texas since right about the summer uh, of, of last year. Auburn and Alabama, though, are not going to make it easy for Texas to hold on to him. That shouldn't be as a surprise. Uh, Alabama, though, looks like they may be prioritizing right now uh, Juju Lewis out of Carrollton, Georgia which could help Texas a little bit. Hold on to KJ Lacey. I'm not saying there's anything to worry about here, uh, but just something to watch as we go forward. Uh, The Longhorn staff out uh, all over the state of Texas again today and expected to be elsewhere uh, as well. uh, Seeing some high level recruits uh, out of state too uh, today. Uh, So be on the lookout for that. We'll be keeping up uh, and track of that on our website on texasfootball.com today uh, as well. Lacey, Uh, the high school teammate of Ryan Williams. Williams committed to Alabama. We do not expect uh, Texas to be a factor in Williams' recruitment uh, prior to signing day,
1: February 7th. And speaking of recruiting, guys, it wasn't a big recruiting weekend for Texas, but a couple of the rival schools had the big recruiting weekends, junior days, of course, uh, both OU and A&M. CJ, what's the latest there?
0: Yeah, both schools were able to get guys on campus, some of their top prospects uh, for the 25 class. Neither recruiting day was as big or as loaded as what Texas hosted about a week ago. So uh, if you want to take it as a, a little, you know, moral victory on the recruiting trail, there's that. <laughs> Texas had over 120 kids on pro- on campus. Neither OU or A&M had, uh, I would say that many guys, but A&M had a pretty solid group coming in. They earned two commitments out of the weekend, Kelvion Riggins and Dejon Petaway, uh, neither of which Texas were really uh, heavily interested in at the moment. So, as, as something, but there were some, some guys that Texas will certainly be fighting for for the race, the, the, the rest of the 25 cycle. Jordan Davison, the running back out of modern day, uh, Kelshawn Johnson out of Hitchcock, the wide receiver, a, a group of uh, talented offensive linemen as well, Lamont Rogers, Ty Haywood, the, the Bridgeland offensive tackle duo, Ryan Foji and Jonte Newman, all of which were on campus uh, a week ago, with the exception of Ty Haywood. So, uh, some of the monitor there, and then obviously down to Oklahoma. Uh, Jonah Williams is the big one that they were able to get onto campus. Kobe Sellers, the the, the cornerback out of Shadow Creek. And uh, Emmanuel Choice, the 6'4 wide receiver out of Lancaster, all of which Texas has been interested in, shown interest, offered, and have been recruiting as of late. So a lot going on, and now we're heading into uh, February. and I mean, these uh, on-the-road visitors, or I guess recruitments by the Texas uh, coaching staff just get even more important.
2: Hey, I want to mention one thing else. Uh, Riley Pettijan, Bo Barnes, both in College Station as well. The, the linebacker duo that Texas is hot uh, after. What was uh, Xavier Pono, uh, the defensive lineman uh, that Texas likes as well? I, I agree with you, CJ. It wasn't this banner uh, junior day, but there were about 15 guys between the two schools that Texas likes uh, that are trying to kind of, you know, move them out of there. Uh, as well. So I think it's going to be interesting. AM only got two commitments over the weekend. One of them from Kelvion Riggins out of Forney. He's a linebacker, undersized linebacker that has a lot of speed, though. Really good player, in my opinion. And then Dejon Petaway, a defensive back out of Katie Paytow. Uh, and the thing with, with Dejon, he is the brother of Damian Sanford, uh, the, uh, for, the Aggie uh, player that was a freshman this past year at Paytow. Texas did not recruit hard or prioritize either of those guys they both are still good players though uh so the aggies moving a little bit in recruiting right now i don't know that ou really got that much movement overall uh it's going to be an interesting year for for ou i think on the recruiting trail
1: you know i i think it was like a week or two ago we talked about uh the athletics projection, speaking of ou and they they said ou was going to go 7 and 5 their first year in the SEC. would y'all agree with that I I don't I haven't looked at it uh, well enough to say that I don't
2: think they have. I mean, here's their problem: new quarterback, five new offensive linemen. You can have all you can have your the best defense. He and he is getting a better defense, by the way. Venables is improving that defense, uh, not only from a coaching perspective but also from a personnel perspective. Uh, they got the linebacker back uh, as well. Peyton Bowen is back. I. I think they're a good team. Billy uh, Billy Bowman is back uh, as well. I, I think they're going to be a good defense. I think they'll be better and more competitive than what people think. But I really think their offense is going to lag. Uh, I just don't see any way. And they don't have – they have some good running backs, but they don't have that guy. They have some good receivers, but they don't have that guy. That's, that's where it's at. I, I feel like they're going to be decent, but not great. Seventy-five is not out of the out of the picture. I'm with you. I think this will be the year, if any, where you really need to see
0: Venables' defense take over and take that leap. You know, you talk about Stutzman, Billy Bowman, Peyton Bowen in the back. I mean, that has to be the strength of this this team for Oklahoma up, up coming up in the uh, the in the fall. I'm eager to see how Arnold progresses, but like you said, behind five brand new offensive linemen, from which they went to the portal, from which they, you know, are, are hoping to recruit and develop that way that's a lot to ask for especially behind a first year starting quarterback so we'll see I, I i know that they're very high on him and he's a very talented quarterback but that's a it's
2: a tall task who do they have in the preseason other than tulane up there
1: blake so they it'll start with temple they'll have houston and tulane all those of course home games then yep. they host tennessee so four home games in a row then they go at auburn have the week off. Then, of course, Texas at the Cotton Bowl, South Carolina at home. Then they go to Ole Miss, and then they play Maine, <laughs> and then at Missouri, have a week off, and then host Alabama, and then at LSU. So that's
2: not an easy schedule. No, well,
1: I don't know about the Maine Black
2: Bears. I didn't even know Maine <laughs> Um No, I I think that that's that's not an easy schedule, especially some of the road games at. Uh, LSU is a big one in my opinion. Um, I, look, I, I just feel like he's a year away. Uh, Jackson Arnold's going to be a year away. That offensive line's definitely at least a year away, um, and that's going to run into maybe some some of his better players going pro on defense. So it's going to it's going to be interesting to see how he recycles. But uh, I, I don't I don't know that that um, OU is going to be a factor in the SEC championship. Category at this point. I, I just don't see them that I see actually AM having better personnel that are older. Yeah. A AM has issues in the younger ranks, but the older personnel at AM uh pretty good. Hey, how about Kyle Shanahan, guys? Yeah. Uh, you know, every when we went off the live stream last night, CJ, it was what 24 to 7 for Detroit was winning. Uh we left, came back. I I, I turned the TV on and Boy, Detroit couldn't stop turning the ball over, and Kyle Shanahan couldn't Shanahan couldn't stop dialing up plays. Congratulations to the former Longhorn receiver. He's headed to the Super Bowl. Also, congratulations to Charles Omenihu, uh, the defensive lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs. He had a big turnover in that game against the Ravens. Ravens. Uh, they're both headed to the Super Bowl. What y'all think of that comeback? By the way, from the uh, from the uh, uh, Niners, because I did not expect that. I got to be honest.
0: I, I thought they would make it a game. I didn't think they'd come all the way back. What was it, 24 unanswered points or, yep. or 27 or something like that? It was. It felt like in that second half, anything that could have gone wrong for the Lions did and anything that could have gone right for the Niners did as well. I mean, that that 60-yard pass completion, it, that, that just summed up the entire second half. Uh, I, I, I like Dan Campbell. I like what he's been able to do for Detroit. I think it's been great for that city who really hasn't experienced anything of, of note of late. But you got to start kicking field goals. Man. Yeah. <laughs> you, you got to kick your own roster for a reason. It, it, I'm sure you would have been nice, or really happy to have had three extra points towards the end of that game, you had two opportunities to do so. And it just – I mean, the yeah. first one especially, to make it a two-possession uh, lead into a three-possession lead, you, you're you in the playoffs. you got to do that. But
2: I don't know. That That's just – He He wanted to be aggressive. Here's one thing I would take away. The biggest takeaway I had, and this relates to Texas in this way. The biggest takeaway I had from those two games, turnovers. Big games, what matters? Turnovers. Who turned the ball over? Lamar Jackson and Zay Flowers, right? They turned it over. Jackson twice, Zay Flowers once for the Ravens. Mahomes, no turnovers. Uh, for the Chiefs go over to Brock Purdy yes he turned it over but in the second half it was Detroit that turned it over yeah and, and that reminds me I mean Texas had a chance to get back in it against Washington what stopped them two two fumbles two yeah. turnovers and yeah. so I feel like it just goes to show you know the age-old maxim of turnovers or what causes wins uh, you know it, it's interesting. To me. Uh, so I, I feel like if I'm looking at it this way, uh it's one of those things that turnovers matter in big games. Now, you're talking about two teams going to the Super Bowl here because of it. In fact,
1: y'all know the last time a team overcame a 17 point deficit in NFC championship game. Can you tell me who the other team was that did that? The NFC championship game. It's
2: going to be some kind of Cowboys answer between you and CJ. I'm guessing. I don't know. Who is it?
1: The 49ers. Oh, really? <laughs> in 2012 against the Falcons, they had a 17 point deficit. They ended up coming back, obviously, and uh, getting that one just like last night. So I guess girl. that was Jim Harbaugh that yeah. did that. Uh, the- yep. I didn't even think about that. Good point. The yep. poor
0: Falcons and big leads in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work.
2: Dude. Uh, you can't. Tom Brady, something else new. That's all I can say about that because nobody, nobody else comes back
1: from that. All right, guys, we got a little bit more to talk about before we get to questions. But before we get to that, Bobby, can you tell everybody out there about John Donovan and Longhorn Wealth Management?
2: Great yeah, absolutely will do. I appreciate John and his uh, sponsorship uh, each and every week of the uh, Monday morning coffee and football. J- John is a proud Texas Ex-Life member and his wife and all six of his siblings are also UT grads. Welcome, John. Uh, so it is this deep Longhorn family tradition that led John to dedicate his firm to providing total wealth management for Texas alums, employees, family, and friends. John is a certified financial planner who has spent more than 30 years providing investment, retirement, insurance, and estate planning services and solutions to his clients. The Longhorn Wealth team has fired up about Coach Sark's incredible start to 2024 with both portal and high school recruiting. So they likewise want to encourage everyone in the On Texas football family to let Longhorn Wealth jumpstart your 2024 with a free 90-minute consultation to explore how longhorn health longhorn wealth excuse me can help you develop maximize and protect your tax free and tax efficient retirement retirement income so please give john and his longhorn wealth team a call at 972-707-4900
1: or visit longhornwealth.net Okay, y'all. Well, we got a uh, basketball recruiting note that we need to talk about. Longhorn's hosting a big visitor today and tomorrow. Ulrich Chomchi, and I hope I'm not butchering that name, but I believe that is how you say it, uh, out of NBA Academy Africa, um, is on campus and will be there until tomorrow. Down to three schools, USC, Arizona, and Texas, fresh off a USC visit. But a six eleven guy, I mean, talk about height. That's just crazy. Um, they're saying future first round pick and would be a five star if he was over here in the states. But man, six eleven. I think need it. Yeah. <laughs> if you talk about
0: rim protection and you watch that BYU game, that <laughs> has to have been that number one, you know, kind of need and uh, requirement at the at the moment for Texas basketball. You got to get some guys that can protect the rim, otherwise, you know. Teams will just continue uh, the approach of death by a million back cuts and easy uh, layups like we saw this past weekend.
2: A million back cuts. That's a new one, CJ. Uh, The the thing that I would ask, and this is something for you, CJ and, and Blake, where's Rodney Terry at in year one? You know, it's been an up and down campaign. They're 14 and six. Uh, you know, where wh- where are they really at with this recruiting with not just with recruiting? I don't I don't even want to put that because Ulrich Chomchi is uh, the young man from Cameroon, I guess, plays it for the NBA Academy o- over there. It, he's he's great and all. I mean, but where is Texas basketball at? You know, are they playing a brand of ball that's even going to get them into the tournament right now? Or is this a situation where Rodney Terry has got to find a little magic uh, going going down the stretch? Because that's kind of what it's feeling like right now is that Texas may be heading not for the tournament. And that's a, that that could be a problem for a first year coach that that first, first year uh, coach that's trying to get things started. You know, he's got some good recruits coming in, but. They need Texas needs to win. Texas wants a winner. I'd like to be, I'd I'd like to see an identity form. I I feel like you don't know
0: what you're going to get from a game to game basis, which for, for most good contending teams, you know that they're either going to hold you to 60 points defensively, or they're going to run up the scoreboard offensively. You don't necessarily know what you're going to get from Texas on a game to game. I know that they're in a very tough stretch of, of, of ball right now. But when you look at what Texas was able to do against Oklahoma, who's been a very good team this year, holding them to their lowest output on the season, you know, I thought playing very strong physical defense uh, on the road and then going to Provo this past weekend, it didn't necessarily look like it was the same team. There's got to be some sort of consistency in which they can say, all right, like, we know one thing's for sure. You're not going to get three-pointers up. Or if you're going to come to the paint, you're going to work hard to get your layup or, or or mid-range jump shot. Right now, I don't think that there's – that sort of approach right now. And that, like you said, Bobby to make that stretch down the run or get to the postseason, you've got to have something you can rely on. And right now, I don't know what that is.
2: Yeah. It feels like it, it, they're relying too much on Max Ace-mas. Um and, and so I, I worry. That's all I would say right now. I don't, I don't necessarily think. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I don't necessarily think this season is going in the right direction for for Rodney Terry and to Jerry there Jerry's point they need to turn it around uh, and get it going because they do have uh, the talent uh, they just got to put it together
1: yeah uh, so that's 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 the reality yeah and the Big Twelve is not getting any easier right no I, <laughs> by any of the imagination hey they play number three Houston tonight yeah
2: at Moody I mean it this is the fourth consecutive ranked team they will have played so. Uh, let's see how they bounce back tonight after the the loss to BYU on
1: Saturday. For sure. Okay, guys. Well, we got a, a lot of questions starting to come in. So we're going to go ahead and get over to those. And we have a super chat from KD35. I am the best. Thank you, KD. And he says, do we expect Kenny Baker to start throwing out some offers and re-offers this week, especially now that he's officially on staff? I think he's at the Senior Bowl right now coaching the defensive line, isn't he?
2: No. I, I mean, I think that's what he was, that that was the plan was for him to go to the senior bowl, coach the defensive line. I, I need to double check and see if he's actually on the road or not, guys. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But um, I, I do think, I don't necessarily think Texas is going to use the old re-offer thing. Maybe they do. Uh, frankly, I don't know how what their plan is there, but that's that would be an interesting take on it. I, I noticed how AM has re-offered all the players with Mike Elko. Uh, being the uh, uh, being the new head coach, it's kind of another shot at the apple, uh, so to speak. Uh, you know, we'll see. I I I don't know for sure. Baker, I think they the players went on Saturday. Or excuse me. The players went on Saturday. I think the coaches were supposed to show up on today. So we'll see if, if Baker is actually now recruiting or finishing up his coaching job in the NFL with
1: uh, with uh, working out the guys at the senior bowl. Then this next question from Steve Hernandez. He says, On yesterday's episode of Defensive Starters, I didn't hear Jare Bledsoe's name. I had recently heard good things about him. Did I just miss it? No. Yeah. No. Um, here's here's the reality.
2: Texas is is flush with what I call three techniques. The Alfred Collins, the guys that aren't over the nose. Alfred Collins, even Vernon Broughton, in my opinion, is in that category. Uh Savea from Arizona is in that category. Uh, Jarae Bledsoe right now is more in that category than he is on the, the true interior at nose. Um, and so that's, that's the issue. Texas has got maybe too many three techniques right now than they have zero techniques over the nose. And so I, I want to see what, and and I would say this, I mean, he should have been mentioned overall from a depth perspective, just not from a starter's perspective. Him, Sadir Mitchell and Alex January, those are the three guys that have high-end potential at for Texas along the defensive line, along with Alfred Collins, okay? How those guys improve this spring will help us understand exactly what Texas is going to be on the defensive front. I have heard good things about Dre Bledsoe of late, but he still has to gain weight. He's very, very, very talented, one of the best athletes on the team.
0: Yep. That's kind of, the, I think why we didn't hear Dre Bloodsoe name in that conversation is there's a lot of work to do physically with his body to get him ready to play, you know, down and down and down in the SEC. So uh, this spring, this winter conditioning is going to be big for him because uh, like you talked about, Bobby, his talent and his athleticism is is up there in the conversation with just about anybody that Texas has in that room right now. So it'd be great to get him on the field, but he's got to be physically ready
2: first. Well, I mean, let, let's, let's talk about this because he did not even though he's in, in, uh, he did not dress for the Oklahoma state game. He wasn't, he wasn't able to play um, because Texas wanted to stop the run. And so they activated Sadir Mitchell. If, for those unaware, the, the the NCAA has a rule that only 65 guys can dress for a game, I believe. uh, That's a, a championship game. So they chose Sadir Mitchell because of wanting to stop the run against Ollie Gordon and gave up a little pass rush with juray bledsoe so that's why look i mean he's gotta he's gotta put it all together um just like a lot of young guys though i mean he is so talented uh but he needs to put it together over the next uh six months here so we can see what he's going to be at uh in august
1: in september when the time comes and then this next question here comes from jay wilson and jay says bobby and cj would you rather have Trey Moore and Ethan Burke have 15 sacks between them or Alfred Collins and Vernon Broughton have seven? It's
0: a good question. That's a good question. I, interior pressure is different because it forces the quarterback to take his eyes off of being down the field. You know, you have to go laterally now. You, you're getting pushed back in the face with guys like Vernon Broughton and Alfred Collins. Alfred's, I mean, six five. You know, he's he's got the long, long rangey arms as well. That's – that interior pressure is different when it's coming straight at you. Seven sacks is a pretty solid, solid number. I, but I like fifteen.
2: I'm going the opposite. yeah. I look. I think that Alfred Collins, if he's getting enough time, could get five to six pretty easily. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna sneak by people for that, in my opinion. So if he would have had more time this year, I think he would have more sacks. Uh, and so I'm not. But how much does he push the pocket? There's a, when you say interior pressure, uh, CJ, you're talking about guys that really push the pocket. Uh, Collins doesn't push the pocket. He gets around people. And so it's a little bit different. I'd rather have the 15 sacks uh, from the edge, period. Yeah.
0: And that's, that's always been my question about Alfred in the run game too. You talk about getting around people. He's yes. so athletic that, 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 that gap responsibility might fade away from him just a little bit as a result of how, you know, quickly he can elude guys in front of him. So a double-edged sword there, but, I mean, I, I'm taking the 15 sacks because that's 15 negative plays and potential of a, you know, a reach around force fumble as well. So I, I like that a little bit more.
1: And then Captain Americano says, I'm hoping we add a plus player at interior defensive line and see progression from the young players. If that doesn't happen... Are there things we can do from a schematic standpoint to minimize the negative impact?
2: Well, yes. Uh, the answer is yes, you can do things schematically. Um, you can, you know, run a heavier front um, overall. I, I think that my, my point here is that that Texas is going to go after another defensive lineman in the portal in in April, period. Who will that be? And are they going to be good enough to really make an impact at nose? That is the million dollar question, in my opinion, Um, because Texas is going to go after that player. But are they going to be good enough? And does Texas have a backup that's good enough not to change it? So if Vernon Broughton plays the nose, which is where he's thought to be getting ready to do next year, is he good enough in that role? Uh, to be a guy that should really be playing nose. I'm concerned about that. Like even even if they get, oh, I don't know, a Jaheem Otis from Alabama. That would be like the 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 typical nose guard that everybody would say, okay, he's a prototype, right, of what you want. Even if they got him, I still think they need another one is my problem right now, unless Alex January or Shadir Mitchell are ready to go.
1: And, man, the, the chat getting deep on some of these D-line comments and questions. We'll start with this one from David Williams. He says, the UT strength staff needs to get Bledsoe up to 290 and Broughton up to 310. Both those players need to add a significant amount of muscle to help mitigate the defensive tackle losses to the NFL.
2: Look, Bledsoe's issue has not been adding weight. It's He can't add enough. I mean, he's so athletic. I mean, I, I don't know how to explain this. He's still, he looks like he's 255 and he's 275 right now, 280. Um, he is just so athletic that his body's not taking the weight. It's not that he's not in the weight room or eating right, et cetera. And so, you know, and then you have Zach Swanson, that's just never going to be that kind of big guy. They've got a couple of undersized guy and Aaron Bryant, uh, you know, we, we haven't mentioned him. He is a, he is a, uh, uh, he is a, uh, uh, interesting guy, and in that you think he might be a nose, but we'll see. Uh, and see, this is what Captain Americano says: he play, Broughton typically uh, plays too high, and I agree with that. That's one of the reasons why he gets rooted out pretty easily. So I, I feel like uh, Bledsoe has to David uh, David's point. Bledsoe needs to to gain weight. Uh, Broughton needs to gain weight, but it has to be the right way. And we need to see where Bledsoe's body
1: takes him this spring. Uh, and into the fall, and then we'll jump over to Sadir Mitchell from Todd Lacey. Todd says that he Mitchell has to be the one technique and needs to earn the starting spot this spring.
0: It'd be huge, but we've sport. seen it time and time again on the interior that defensive line. It doesn't come easily to younger players. You know, it took Tavondre Sweat almost four years to really crack that rotation. You know, Byron Murphy, we really saw him coming on this past year. We knew he was special, but Taking over that role, especially when there's guys ahead of you in in, an age perspective, it's not an easy thing to do. So it would be big for Texas because he is the biggest body in the room. I think we can all agree that there's no dispute there. If he's able to carve out a nice role where he's taking 30 or 40 percent of those snaps in a game, I'd be very happy this year.
2: I think that Alex January's uh, arrival on campus is going to help Sadir Mitchell. I, I do think that because Alex Jr., for what I'm being told, has a, a workmanlike attitude about football. Um, and if anybody is going to or if anyone or anything's going to get it out of a, a guy like Sadir Mitchell, it's going to be competition. He, he can't just show up that day and be better than everybody else. Um, and so I think Alex January is showing up in January. Uh, no, no pun there. Uh, will will actually help Sadir Mitchell's uh, growth as well. And I don't, I, I, look, I think Alex January is a, a good football player. The question I have is whether or not he's going to be ready to go as a true freshman. And I, I see that as a tall, tall order uh,
1: for anybody. So we'll see. Okay, guys, we have a super chat here from Football Junkie. Thank you, Football Junkie. He says, do we anticipate more sacks this year as a whole? Who are our sack leaders this season? And who do you guys think will be the top sack leaders this upcoming year? With that said, I'm going to help you all out a little bit. <laughs> I was prepared, Bobby. I was prepared for this one. I saw it early. Let me get this comment down and then we'll bring up the, uh, the whole thing here. So this is obviously sorted by sacks Ethan Burke, five and a half, Anthony Hill, five, Byron Murphy, five, Baron Sorrell, four. Sweat to Collins to Jet Bush to Justice Finkley, to and then one from there on down and then anybody off this list didn't have any sacks
0: it's remarkable that Anthony Hill is tied for the for the most sacks probably with a third of the amount of pass rushing snaps where he was blitzing compared to everybody else on this list so that that was kind of one of those I wouldn't call it a gripe but kind of one of those things I wish to see a little bit more against Washington was Anthony Hill either up the middle or off the edge anywhere that you can kind of disrupt Michael Penix in that game but moving forward I think you're going to see a lot more of these true edge guys up on this list. You know you talk about Ethan Burke returning, Aaron Sorrell is back Colin Simmons will be added to the fold and obviously Trey Moore has 22 sacks over the last two seasons. That's where this group can really help the Texas defense next year is an increase in getting to the quarterback forcing uh, negative plays and, and things along that nature so I like Trey Moore a lot, but I think it's Ethan Burke's time to really stand up and become that guy we see up in that eight, seven, eight, nine sack range next year. If he's able to add a, a move or two to his bag from a pass rushing perspective, it really opens up his athleticism, range, length. It's it's something that you is is very difficult to defend by an offensive lineman.
2: Let me just give you all a, a uh, something that that I'm just looking at here right now. Somebody asked earlier, would you take 14 or 15 sacks from the edges or seven from the interior? Well, last year Murphy and Sweat combined for seven. You really think Collins and Broughton are going to get seven? You know, and so Collins might be able to. I don't see that being realistic. I think Um, yeah, starting edges here only had nine, nine and a half. Between Sorrell and Ethan Burke, you really expect them to get six more this year? I, look, I think more, you, you have to do that with different players. Because Baron Sorrell is not going to all of a sudden become a pass rush king. Uh, even if he improves his game by two sacks. It's not going to be this uh, overriding thing. Um, my, my take on it right now is Ethan Burke and Trey Moore are your best pass rushers. You don't know about Colin Simmons yet and you don't and you don't know or you're not playing Anthony Hill in that role to CJ's point. They may have to find ways, better ways uh, to get uh, uh, to get um, Anthony Hill involved in pass rush. Yeah, just too. he's just too, to CJ's point he's just too disruptive not to. Hey, luckily
0: we've seen PK in years past be creative with where he brings blitzes. We've seen A. Barron off the edge. We know that he liked to use the boundary corner as well. So uh, there, there there'll be some wrinkles, but I am with you. I'd like to see, you know, uh, you know, Anthony Hill kind of unleashed a little bit more.
1: Yep. Okay guys, we're going to stay on the D line talk because well, there's just a load of questions about it. And Osmosis Jones says, isn't this the dear Mitchell's first winter and spring workouts? Also, with the former NFL defensive line coach, maybe that helps him take the next step to the next level quicker.
2: Well, it's not his first winter and spring workouts. I mean, he, he was here last spring. He was a midtermer, right? I, I'm pretty sure. Um, uh, you know he he just has to keep growing. A lot of these guys, Tavondre Sweat, um, is a, is a great example from CJ's point. I mean, he was not. What Tavandre Sweat is as a sophomore now, but we need to start seeing improvement and he needs to start showing up a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more. and It needs to be piece by piece. Uh, the other thing I would say uh, to that is, you know, he he has got to be a more a bigger maximizer than what he has been so far. You know, he came in and did not necessarily light the world on fire with some work ethic stuff. He's got to take it more seriously. That's my opinion. (laughs) Sounds like we need to be sending the DL more breakfast tacos. Yes, it could help. Refried beans and tortillas will add the weight, my (laughs) friend.
1: Yes, it will. Oh, man. And then Casey says, I feel like our philosophy is going to be get after the passer and use our inside guys to take up blocks slash hold lanes while holding up coverage in the back end
0: a defense is an interesting thing because it's very complimentary and it starts up front. So if you can get that pressure, it's going to help everybody in the back end. If the secondary is able to stay with their guy just a little bit longer, it's going to help those guys in the front end get home. So I'm with it. I I think that you're going to see a lot more pressure off the edges this year. I think it's going to be a a point of emphasis that we'll see in the spring, uh, specifically with Burke and Burrell uh, uh, or Sorrell, sorry but that's going to be where you're going to see a lot of improvement from last year to this year in my eyes, because of the additions of Trey, uh, Trey Moore and Colin Simmons, that room's only going to get deeper when they're off the field. And who knows justice Finkley Jamon tap could make a run for playing time as well. It's just a little bit cra- more crowded of a room.
2: Hey guys, I want to, I want to take a, a little bit different take here. I, I wrote an article today uh, on, on Texas football, talking about this. And Get y'all's take on it a little bit, and and the the, the rooms take on it as well. Um, Texas lost fifteen players to the uh, lost fifteen players to the transfer portal. Grabbed eight. Okay, I think it's a net win, a net positive overall for Texas. Um, the fifteen players, I, I looked at it. There are really five that kind of you know you can say they hurt. They affected the team. Tro Carter, the defensive lineman, going to Auburn. Jaron Thompson going to Auburn. Keaton Crawford going to Nevada. Uh, Malik Murphy uh, to Duke. Uh, you can say what you want, but he, he was a I – he mean, won a couple games as a starter. And then you have uh, Isaiah Naor going to Nebraska. The rest of those recruits and the rest of the players that left, I don't think it's – I don't think it's that big a deal because I think they have some young guys coming in that are ample replacements. The question I had for y'all is, you know, how how big a loss are Jaron Thompson and Keaton Crawford? Because I think I, I kind of go back and forth on that. Thompson started a, a lot of games. Now, is he perfect? Absolutely not. Is he a liability in coverage? Absolutely. Um, but again, you're going to replace him with someone that hasn't started as many games other than Makuba, who might be, you know, fighting it out with Derek Williams and not Michael Taft. You know, we got to wait and see how Texas uses these guys. But my point to y'all is we think Texas was a net winner in the portal. Y'all agree with that? I mean, the three starting receivers, the starting tight end, the edge. And I see Blake. And Everybody agrees with that, right? That Texas yes. was a net winner, even despite losing. Uh, a couple guys that were big. I, I I feel like that too. I just want to make sure that I'm not off base with that. I think people. I don't want to minimize losing though Jaron Thompson and Keaton Crawford, because Keaton Crawford is absolutely excellent on special teams. By the way, I maybe mean, he, he was a demon. So they're going to have to replace that. But just something to think about.
0: Yep, I'm with you. I, I think you're going to see more athleticism in that back end, and I think we saw it at times, especially in crunch moments like we saw against Washington, who was on the field at safety, you know, to begin that second half when Texas needed to get something going defensively. It was Michael Taft and it was uh, Derek Williams. So if that's what we're seeing and big moments, I think that's how the staff sees it as well in the sense of we got to get our best guys on the field right now. And right now it was Derek Williams and Michael Taft. So uh, I'm with you from a depth, uh, depth side. It hurts from, you know, an experience side of Hurts. You talked about, I think he started over 33 games, 35 games in his career. Like that's a lot of starts. But to your point, I think you're going to see a little bit more athleticism. And I think from that group collectively, you're going to see a little bit more uh, play playage of the ball. You know, there's got to be, you know, more interceptions, got to be more batted passes. And I think adding to that athleticism is only going to put you in better positions to do so.
1: On uh, Crawford and a lot of people pointing this out, Bobby, you pointed it out in your article as well. But Christopher Weatherford, for example, Crawford on special teams is the biggest or bigger loss in my in his opinion, and then Cotton immediately as well. Crawford on special teams, and then I looked while y'all were talking on their stat sheet between the two of them this past season: sixty-two tackles, four interceptions.
2: Yeah, they're. I mean, look, they're good players. They're not great players. That that's that, and so you're losing depth and experience. That's what you're losing. Um, I do think Keaton Crawford is a great special teamer, though. I, I want to add that. So, um, uh, you know, we, we got to look at that. Uh, there was a question, by the way, on the on the message board uh, that uh, I wanted to get to. And it asked us, who is the punter for 2024?
1: Yeah, well. I was, was going to get to that. eventually. Yeah, I mean,
2: <laughs> right now, I don't even know who is a walk-on punter that is going to compete with Michael Kern. Um, you know, do y'all have CJ, do you even know who competes with Michael Kern, uh, for, for this, for the job, uh, when Kern gets to town in June, unless we, as we think, uh, Jeff Banks is going to go, uh, to the, to the, uh, transfer portal at some level. I expect we see a a transfer
0: portal, a a grad transfer, someone, you know, that can come in and compete at the punter spot, you know, I've talked about it a lot. You don't really want your 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 team littered with freshmen, true freshmen, and you know in the specialist capacity, especially at kicker, true freshmen aren't necessarily what you want to be dealing with. At punter, it's a little bit different, but you know the same adage goes. So uh, I'll be eager to see what happens there. I liked Michael Kern. He had a very lively leg. You know he was an an, an All American at the the San Antonio All American game down there. He's out of a good program down in Florida as well, St. Thomas Aquinas. So. He's got a leg. He's, he's you know, saying all the right things, but I'm with it. I, I'd like to see some competition there. And also, to your point about Keaton Crawford, who else replaces Keelan Robinson at the Gunners? You know, both of them are very talented. That'll be that a, a brand-new look for what was a pretty good punting unit for Jeff Banks this past season. I'm eager to see who steps up. I think Trey Wisner is a guy that you can see, you know, certainly filling in at, at a Gunner role. Uh, who else is that? Probably a freshman or a, a sophomore Warren Roberson or one of the, the the
2: fast, speedy corners that we've been talking about as well. Yeah, I just don't know. I I, I don't know who's going to be. I, I do think Wisner, you can kind of pencil in. Right. I think we all see him in that that vein. He's kind of that hard nosed flyer that is a lot like Keaton Crawford in that regard. Crawford probably more physically. Um, uh, stout to handle getting jammed off the line, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like the the second one is going to be an interesting call. Jelani McDonald kind of fits that, but you wonder if he. I, I just don't know. Maybe if maybe a true freshman. Yeah, uh, Warren Roberson might be a guy to to throw in that mix too, because I know that they like him a lot in his physicality despite his size. That's one of those things, but. Those guys either they have big size big size and they run well, like Brennan Schooler it is a good example, right? Of an all-pro guy at uh former Longhorn that's an all-pro uh as a as a gunner, but or they have quickness and still have can play through physicality. And I think Wisner fits that second mold. That play he's got quickness and, and plays through physicality, plays through contact.
0: This is a little bit off topic but on the topic of gunners I I was watching the Chiefs yesterday and they use Justin Watson as a gunner.
2: Yeah. A,
0: a 64 wide receiver. It's kind of kind of unique and then I was thinking back the Cowboys used a defensive end as their gunner, Sam Williams. So you can get a lot of, you know, rare production from that spot if you, you know, certainly think that that could be a place to get people on the field. So I I'm with it. I'd like to see where they go with this.
1: And then Cotton wants to know, can Stone punt? Obviously talking about Will Stone. I think he did some in high school, but I don't,
2: I mean, it's I don't old. know. Yeah, I mean, look, they, they're they going to have to roll something out there. Um, can can Burt Auburn punt? You know, I'm sure Burt Auburn could be a, a, a punter as well, at least in emer, emergency situations. I, the, the question is, is, no one is likely to be as good as Ryan Sanborn. Correct. I mean, Ryan Sanborn up texas's net yardage by something like six yards year over year that's impressive um and so uh probably didn't get enough accolades that he deserved because texas tech had a punter uh that hey hear me out arch manning punter number one i i don't i even if he were i don't think that that they're going to put his leg out there to be whipped you know i that that's uh that's uh one of those that's my favorite comment no no punting in 2024. Okay. If that happens, then we're all gonna be happy. Hey, we,
0: we saw a few games this year where there weren't any puns. I think you know there's a two-game span in which early in the season where <laughs> Ryan Sanborn looked just like one of us after a game.
2: <laughs> and he, he had he worked up a sweat in pregame. Yeah, yeah. I did, y'all see, uh, did y'all see what Travis Kelsey did to Justin Tucker yesterday? Yes. Yeah. By the way, yeah. Uh that, that, that kind of stuff, I mean, look. That that whole game, that Chiefs uh, Baltimore game, was chippy. I mean, Very. It, just, it was just chippy from the start, and that was like indicative of it, right? Yeah, that I loved a precursor. it. Precursor. Oh, you love it? You love that stuff?
0: That's my type of stuff. I, I I want those games to mean something. I want the emotions to run high. Maybe not the Justin Tucker pregame stuff, but I, you know, I I like to you know get to your side. I, I don't want yeah. you on my side of the field. I like that picking on a kicker.
2: <laughs> I you know come on Travis Kelsey you got the world's top media star or pop star in your corner and you're messing with the kicker. I didn't man. like
0: that. <laughs> but oh. I like
2: I like the chippiness. That
1: I thought it was a, a great game. game. That seemed a little weak to me. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> oh man. Well, what got me with Kelsey like mouthed after every play, and then the Raven's mouth one time and the flag gets thrown. You know, it was like the worst double standard ever. I mean he just play. laughing. Yeah, I just well, mm, yeah, it is what it is. All right, guys. Well, we've talked about uh possible portal enter or I guess portal transfer punters, but we have some questions about other portal positions, and so let's go ahead and take those. This first one from VFL. Texas and he says is Texas interested in Davis from Arizona in the portal or is Texas set at defensive back? So Texas was looking at
2: uh, Takori and Davis uh, out of Arizona. Uh, they they wanted him to come in. Um, he he was scheduled to come in at one point. We didn't report that because I was asked not to. Uh, but then it was canceled on Wednesday of last week. Um, and so uh, that that is. That's where that is uh, at, that, at this point uh, for the Longhorns. Uh, I don't think he's going to be uh, a guy that Texas is able to get back in on. Uh, right now, it's looking like Washington or perhaps staying at Arizona. A lot of the guys, again, I, I, as we said it, Saveya came down to either transferring to Texas or returning to Arizona. Uh, Dwayne Aquina, Brent Brennan, those guys at Arizona are doing a good job of trying to keep that nucleus together. They got the quarterback and the receiver back. Uh, they got the big linebacker back that, uh, you know, was one of the uh, best players uh, on that team as well. And, and so that's been the uh, hallmark of that uh, thus far. Um, I think they're done right now in the portal for the spring. That's what I've been told, unless there's this mass exodus uh, for from Michigan today or tomorrow, because you have to remember the drop add drop date is the 30th for Texas. Okay, which is tomorrow, Uh, unless they have guys on campus and ready to go, you can ask for a uh, exception. But, man, you're not going to get one that's a week late ad drop class through the university. They 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 have to be students. Now, that doesn't mean they can't join in the
1: summer. uh, But I think they're done with the portal for now. And then Todd Lacey, I know you said four now, but Todd Lacey says, do you shop up the FBS ranks for a one technique, taking a player who might not make a huge impact? Or are there ones from the FCS ranks who are looking to make a jump? Do you think they might go that far low? I would,
2: if there's one that can play, right? I don't know that there's been, I think the other Arizona defensive tackle is a, a good player as well that was in the portal. Um, but I think he's now saying he's going to return as well. So um, I don't know of any other defensive tackles in the portal, though, that have been, quote-unquote, greenlit by the Texas staff. And that includes the FCS group. So, period. That, that's the problem. It's not that Texas is, is unwilling to recruit them. It's that they're not there. Or the ones that they've seen aren't good enough. I mean, there have been guys that are that have offers elsewhere that you might think, well, Texas should offer them, too. But, but they haven't. I mean, they, they just haven't done that, and I and I'm not. I, I don't disagree with it. I mean, you have to. If they can't play, why 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 do it just for another body? Texas right. is trying to be beyond that, and it holds you a spot. It takes away a spot from a possible guy that enters the portal down the road.
1: Okay, Steven. And Rudy both kind of have a question along the same lines here. So I'm just going to read both of them at the same time. Steven says, if we do not add another impactful defensive tackle, which team is better, 2023 Texas or 24 Texas? And Rudy, right after Steven asked that, said, top to bottom, is the roster better, worse, or the same as last year? This is a fun question. You're losing eight to ten guys to the NFL. This is a fun
2: question. It would be really hard to be better.
1: But you got some high impact transfers.
0: Yep. <laughs> uh, here here's where I am on it. The way Texas can be better in twenty four than twenty three is Quinniers. That's the one path for me. I would agree with that. If he makes up, you know that continual jump, a very big jump, that's the way Texas is better. He has the pieces. the offensive lines gonna be good. The running game should be a, a pretty solid as a result. They got some pieces back there too. If that offense is, you know, in that top five, top ten range, I think they were right outside the top 15, top 20 this past season. If he can make that jump to being an elite, big-ton, you know, high-flying, explosive offense this year, Texas could be better than last year. But that's only if Quinn Ewers is able to to elevate his team by his play, not necessarily the wide receivers and, and his weapons around him this past season kind of doing it for him. I think it's got to be Quinn Ewers doing that for himself. Let,
2: let me ask you all this. I, I just wrote down all the positions. Who Will they be better or worse than in 24 than they were in 23? Okay? So quarterback, you think, is going to be better in 24, right? Yeah. Running back, I don't think is going to be better. The loss of Jonathan Brooks, even though you have said Baxter, and I, I think that that's, that was a big loss. And you know that Baxter and, and Blue are not Jonathan Brooks. So I think that's that's going to be a down a tick. Wide receiver, I think, is going to be down a tick. Again, you had three upperclassmen with a lot of experience within the offense, et cetera. Not as much as I thought it would be even a month ago, by the way, but still down a tick. Tight end, down a tick, right? Even with Amari Nyblack, JT Sanders and Gunnar Helm, that combo, pretty strong. Offensive line, up a tick. Even losing Christian Jones, I think the four other guys— so on offense, the two improved positions, we think, are quarterback and offensive line. The down positions are running back wide receiver tight end. I think Y'all you take are- that trade. What's that?
0: I think you take that trade. Yeah, because the quarterback position and the offensive line position. Are I'd running- rather be in Texas's position now than what Oklahoma's in with their offense, where you're returning your, your pieces on the outside, but you got to replace the entire offensive line as a first-year starter. I, I, I think we can all agree with that, right?
2: Okay. fair. I know I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that. So yeah. my point is that just overall, if you're looking position by position, that's what it looks like. I'm with you. Okay. Now take the defense, defensive tackle, you know, is going to be less. I mean, there's, yeah. you've got two <laughs> yeah. first or second round picks, right? Edge, I think is going to be better. Yes. Okay. Linebacker, I think is going to be a step down because Jalen Ford was the, you know, the straw that stirs the drink. Secondary, I think it's going to be better. Mm hmm. Kicking game is going to be even because Burt Auburn was good this year. Punting game should be a little bit down. Theoretically, you're losing your best gunner. You're losing your punter. So, look, I I think you could take my point is there are elements of the 24 team that are better than the 23 team. And what we're going to see and there are elements that aren't going to be as good. How that all mixes together to what CJ's point was about taking the quarterback and the, the offensive line being, being more meaningful than the other positions is fair. And how, and I think that the other question is how big a drop off are they really at running back wide receiver and tight end? We don't necessarily know that yet.
1: I'm glad you said that because I wanted to read a couple of the comments while you were talking that people put yeah, yeah. in the chat. Um, and Ron S says, nobody expected Brooks to be as good as he was. There was too much unknown at this point. Need to see what we have after spring practice. And that is a good point because if you go back to the beginning of last season, we didn't know if, if Sark would even have a 1,000-yard rusher. You know, we were talking about that on this show every morning. And then, of course, he obviously exceeded expectations. But and then along that line, James Hatfield, I think, because the O-line will be better, this will cause the running backs to be better. Blake Bryant agrees as well. I think the running game will be better, returning four of five offensive linemen.
2: It, running running I'm game was pretty kidding. good last year. What, what's that, CJ?
0: Saying the running game was pretty good last year, you know. Uh to that that, that point about Jonathan Brooks. I thought we saw the spurts when he was behind Bijan and Rochon mm-hmm. when he was able to play that we thought he would be a pretty good running back. I don't think we would have, you know, necessarily predicted to be in the conversation to win the dope walker, but that's a <laughs> credit to him and how you know quickly he was able to get up to speed and develop and Also, let's not forget the first running back to take a snap last year was C.J. Baxter. So I I, I think really to that point, Jonathan Brooks really surprised a lot of people, though.
1: Let me get y'all's take on this comment from Nate Russ. He says, I think the running backs will be really productive with all of our wide receiver speed, but not in a traditional sense. checkdowns and screens for 10-plus yard averages.
2: Look, I – I would love to see. So I think Cedric Baxter, Jaden blue and Trey Weisner all have terrific hands. It's perhaps the most underrated aspect of their game without question. Um, And that's really where you see what Steve Sarkeesian wants from a running back. Like he wants the total package. Um, You know, I, I, I hope that Texas does check down more to guy like Trey Wisner, to the guy like Jaden blue, uh, because I do think that uh, we, we talked about this last night on the live stream. One of the aspects that we're going to be looking for with from Quinn Ewers this year is getting the ball out quicker. And some of that means checking it down a little bit more. So I I'm, I'm, I'm of that opinion that those are, those are important aspects mm-hmm. and it, it'll help. It will help the running game. It will help them move the ball more. It, all of those things. And he checked it down quite often this year, by the way. I mean, yeah. what did the running backs have? 60 catches? 65 catches? That's, yeah, I, uh, actually, I thought
0: a lot of fans gave Quinn kind of a, a bad rap in, in which he checked down too often. And I think a lot of that came right after the Houston game in which they really dropped three really far back after those first three drives and Texas kind of had the dink and dunk down the field. To get anything going again. Uh, but I'm with you. I think uh, one of the biggest staples of a Sarkeesian offense is hunting mismatches. And he loves being able to motion in or out a, a running back to a, a spot where he thinks he can get a speed advantage to get his running back the ball in space. Uh, we see it often with the wheel routes out of the backfield as well. That was a big play Sarkisian liked to go to with Bijan Robbins. And so I'm with it. I, I love seeing the ball in the hands of the running backs in space because those are the guys who have the probably the most wiggle of anybody on the team. So that's something that I think we'll continually see this upcoming season. And like you said, Quinn getting the ball out quicker is just going to be a staple of, uh, of the offense again in the sense that his wide receivers have a little bit more after the catch ability in my eyes
1: uh CJ Cotton says checkdowns and quick slants will make "quote unquote" stronger iron.
0: I bet, yeah, I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get a poster back over here that just says "iron is 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 strong." <laughs> That'll be the one.
1: Oh man! All right, guys, let's switch gears for a minute here. I want to read this question from Jeff Carey, um, and Jeff says. What are two or three SEC away games in the next couple of years that you're interested in visiting? So Let's I would, see.
2: I gotta say this. I I've I've been to the swamp a couple times for Florida versus Florida State. Um, I'm interested in seeing Texas there. I'm interested in going to Athens. Uh, uh trying to think. At Tennessee would be yep. fun. Uh, I think that one. And then at Death Valley, if, we're, yeah. if we ever get the chance to go there, I thought that we were going to have that before COVID, you know. Um, but uh, I, I feel like those are the ones that, for me, LSU, Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, uh, maybe Auburn would be fun as well.
0: Yep. I, I, I said Tennessee and LSU were the top of my mind. Low-key and night game at South Carolina, very fun.
2: Yeah. Very fun. So I've been, you know, we, ha- I haven't really seen, te- I've seen our Ar- Texas play at Arkansas. I've seen Texas play at Ole Miss. I've seen Texas play at Mississippi state Um, way back in the day. Uh, Jackie Sherrill time. Uh, so the, but Georgia, Florida, um, Auburn, Tennessee, LSU, those would be the ones for me.
0: So to Michael's comment right there, I, I've never seen a game at College Station. What?
2: Yeah. That's uh, how
0: not in person. Not in you've person. You've never
2: seen a Texas, Texas A and M game. That's not in person. That, that's this. That's just a shame. I was 30. I mean, I'm serious. I mean, as big a fan as <laughs> you are. No, I am serious. It's, you know what I mean? I mean, that's that's where almost a generation lost it. That game. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So I'm. That should have been number one on my list because I've, <laughs> yeah. I've yet to see a game at College Station.
1: That's and it'll crazy. be the closest away game for you. Yeah. yeah i love
0: that
1: <laughs> <laughs> can't beat that at all oh uh, all right good question though for sure and yeah absolutely not, not a wrong answer i don't think i think a lot of texas fans are thrilled to go see besides kansas you know what i mean i mean or anywhere else oklahoma you know oklahoma state whatever a lot, say- a lot greener pastures out there for yeah sure. better than going to manhattan or ames right yes.
2: yeah I, I agree or, or Stillwater. Um. I I would say this I I would I love Florida as a place to go because you fly into Jacksonville it's about an hour hour and a half drive to Gainesville, it's kind of a you can stay in Jacksonville for the weekend. Jacksonville's a nice town, especially in the fall. Yeah, no Mississippi State was horrid when I went <laughs> the Mississippi the Mississippi State game there in the nineties. It was so it it came one of those uh, summer showers where it rained like cats and dogs for like 15 minutes. And then the rest of the day was just nothing but hot. And the the steam was coming up from the carpet. And uh, then about 10 minutes into that, after that started, the whole uh, power of the whole place went went dead. I mean, the clock, everything. Press box, dead. And so you had people in there about 100 degrees, came back on about 15, 20 minutes later, but... By that time, everybody was already steamed. You know, it's like you're in a steam shower. Yeah. i
1: would tell you what else there's going to be some good away games is baseball. Oh, SEC, yeah. You know, obviously has some phenomenal baseball venues and like Ole Miss, LSU. I mean, there's just so many good ones. It's going to be a lot of fun. Mississippi State. Yep. can't wait for those, so. Okay, guys, let's go. We got a uh, if I can find it here. Yep. Yeah. So Kelly Hyden says Todd Dodge or Todd Dodge makes his return, and then Seth follows it up with CJ. How long till Lovejoy wins? <laughs>
0: <safe>? <laughs> Not soon enough. I'm ready for it. Get the boys a ring. Get a a, 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 a banner up on the stadium. But I'm excited. Todd Dodge. Anytime he's back coaching in, in in the state of Texas, I mean that's exciting. He's you know one of the greats. And so that I'm really excited to see what he's able to do at Lovejoy. There's a lot of talent in that area. You know, they're three minute drive from Allen, you know, right in the middle of, of, of McKinney. So a lot of talent in that area. And, uh, you know, we've talked about Parker Livingstone in the past, Peyton Pierce, Dalen McCutcheon still out there. So uh, I'm,
2: I'm really excited for it. Where did Jalen Lott end up at, by the way? Uh, Prosper Panther Creek. Okay. So so and that's the that's James Lott's son, the, the one that we think is one of the best receivers in the country uh, out of a, I think he's going to be a sophomore this year. Hey, uh, do they I, I don't know this area that well, but do they recruit a little bit up there? Like, are there like certain areas that where guys can move in and go to a certain school uh, up in, in McKinney, Allen, uh, Lovejoy, that area? I know at Lovejoy, there's open enrollment, so you don't have to be
0: within the boundaries of your district to attend the high school. Uh, but I, I wouldn't necessarily call it recruiting.
1: All right, well, here's <laughs> what happens, it's man. like, what are you trying
2: to say, Bobby? <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm not trying to say recruiting. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I know. I mean, I just I just give some, words it's legal. I mean, if a guy wants to move in and be in a different program, he can do it. He moves apartments, you know. I mean, that, yeah. that happens. And so that's what I was wondering because I think that Todd Dodge, I'm not saying he's going to sit there and recruit players. His name will recruit players. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. Like Cameron Parker said, t- Cameron Parker, Todd Dodge is my old coach at South Lake Carroll, one of the best coaches ever, man. So it's very awesome. exciting that he's coming back. And then also uh, Joseph Gillespie, the longtime Stephenville coach with a ton of success, numerous state title. Um, he's now going to be going to Waco Midway. So pretty cool there for sure. I
2: wonder if they'll pull guys from Connolly,
1: because Connolly's had the the talent lately. Yeah. That's right. Uh right, well, before we move on to some more college football talk, guys, uh, Bobby, why don't you tell everybody out there about what John Donovan and Longhorn Wealth Management Group can do for them? Yeah, absolutely.
2: John and the Longhorn Wealth team is fired up, fired up about Coach Sark's incredible start to 2024 with both portal and high school recruiting. So they likewise want to encourage everyone in the on Texas football family to let Longhorn Wealth jumpstart your 2024 financial future. With a free 90-minute consultation to explore how Longhorn Wealth can help you develop, maximize, and protect your tax-free and tax-efficient income, Uh, give John Donovan and his team a call at 972-707-4900 or visit longhornwealth.net. John's a certified financial planner who has more than 30 years providing investment, retirement, insurance, and estate planning services and solutions to his client. That's 972-707-4900 or visit longhornwealth.net. Thanks, John.
1: Okay, well, we are going to jump over to the ontexasfootball.com message board to get this next question from David Edwards. Thank you, David, for the question. He says, checking in from San Angelo in the Concho Valley where the wind chill is 32 this morning and it's going to be 71 this afternoon. We offered several guys in Georgia. Realistically, what our chances with these players in the Bulldogs backyard. Not great. <laughs> uh, quick. But the no, truth. I, mean,
2: I think he's asking a fair question, right? I mean, we track every offer Texas makes because there may be something to it, right? Um, but they're they're not great, they're not great chances over there. But to I mean, Rod Babers is fond of saying this. You know you throw you put 50 lures in the water maybe one or two might bite and there are that many players in georgia that are good enough to play at the university of texas so it's a numbers game is what i'm describing here david uh you you put 30 40 offers out in the state of georgia that you like and are good enough and the question then becomes okay do i like them enough to better than the ones in the state of Texas or another area of the country. And then you get into a little bit of a, uh, a possibility there. I, I, You know, what I like to say about those offers, sometimes they're just competitive offers. They keep you in the game in case you want to go back and really recruit that player later. Some of them are to elite, elite players. Some of them aren't. So uh, I, I think that uh, take those a little bit with not a grain of, grain of salt, I guess. Um, but take them as, as what they are, Texas trying to get themselves in the, in the prospect possibility there. And then they'll see where it kind of nets out after the fact.
0: Yeah. I, I love it because it, it keeps Texas's name around that, that area. Like you're mentioning it, it for whatever reason, if Kirby smart departs from Georgia Texas now has the inroads because of the relationship they were able to build. Look at LSU; I don't think anybody would have expected Texas to go in and grab two of the top three defensive backs in two straight cycles. There, you, you, you get my point. But that that was the result of a continual approach to recruit Louisiana uh, from the minute Steve Sarkeesian got here. So it, it builds over time, and it never you never know when you know those prior relationships are going to come back to help you.
1: Hey guys, this next question comes from Miguel Gonzalez and Miguel asks: do you think the horns will have a package where Trey Moore and Colin Simmons are on the, are on both edges at the same time, or are they just giving up too much size to run that package regularly?
2: Regularly. I mean, how often you you have people in third and 15? Yeah, no, that I, I could see those guys on the, on the field at the same time if the situation warrants and, and is available to them. But regularly, third and five, I don't see that. Maybe I'm just wrong. I
0: hope to see it. I think that's probably your two most dynamic edge rushers from a speed perspective, from an athleticism perspective. If you're in third and long or if they're behind the chains, throw them out there. Make things difficult. Let me ask you this. Trey Moore, better pass rusher than Ethan Burke, in your opinion, CJ? Right now, yeah. I think so. I I I it, it, I know that he was playing at a what you would call a lesser level of talent obviously but that production doesn't lie 22 sacks over over 2 years I don't think I mean the the Texas defensive end position last year probably going into a little bit of 2022 probably doesn't even account for that so he gets to the quarterback and and that's something that I feel like sticks with you
1: okay fair and then Kyle wants to know, can we have a top 20 defense with the current defensive line rotation? That'd be a great
0: coaching job if so. <laughs> I think the biggest strength this past year was stopping the run and making teams become one-dimensional. Teams became one-dimensional, and that's actually how they were able to move the football against Texas. But now you are you don't have that luxury of forcing teams to become one-dimensional with the athleticism that you now possess in the secondary. So I think there's a little bit of a give and take there in which Texas now is – stronger from the the back side of, of the defense i think if you're a top 20 defense next year you've done a tremendous job taking the ball away from teams more so than stopping them in a in a sense of, of of forcing punts or or keeping them out of the end zone from a red zone perspective it's all about stopping you know drives and turnovers and
2: and, and things along those lines I think it would be amazingly constructed if if they could be a top ten, top twenty defense this year. I, I don't see that. Not not losing two guys like Sweat and Murphy. I mean, those are great players, guys. You, you, it, those are hard to replace and and have equal output. Okay. I mean, I wish. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, we are going to take one more question, then we better get out of here. And Trey Day says, it looks like Elko's really focused on in-state recruiting. Does that make Texas vulnerable as SART continues to recruit nationally?
0: No. No. I, every coach that comes coach at a big-time program in the state of Texas – has to take care of their backyard. They have to be in the inroads with Texas High School Coaching Association. They have to go shake the hands because this is their fertile ground. This has to be the area in which they put in the most attention because it's, you know, the the in-state, you know, crop of kids. That has to be his approach in year 1. We've seen it with just about every team, uh, every coach Texas has had over the last couple of years, you got to stay there in Texas. You got to maintain those relationships otherwise that's going to bite you. But right now, this is how that has to be the priority for for Mike Elko and just about any coach coming into Texas uh, at a university of uh, or university in Texas. You have to take care of Texas first before you can then go out uh, outside.
2: Let me ask you this: Did it hurt Texas? Did it hurt a And M that they went so far outside the the realm um, as vis-a-vis Texas under Jimbo Fisher? So. I mean, you, you could ask the same thing: Is it hurting Texas that they're going going to do the same thing that A&M was doing? It only hurts if you don't pay attention to your backyard. And I, I don't think Steve Sarkeesian's not paying attention. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah.
2: And, and so there's a give and take there that you open yourself up a little bit. I and I agree with that. But Elko's going to end up going out of state for some guys. That's and I agree with Casey here. A&M has taken layups that were trending to AM prior. Uh one of the recent guys has a brother on the AM roster. This is this is accurate. Now, where does this go from here, though? Like, I mean, does Sark's penchant for not taking too many commits early allow AM or OU to get some momentum? I, I don't know about that. I, I think we'll that'll come out in the wash a little bit over the next month or two. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: I do know that I, I suspect. Texas is going to try to start getting some more guys on campus in February. And we'll see how that goes and where they go from there.
1: Okay, guys. Well, that's going to do it for today's edition of Coffee and Football right here on On Texas Football, presented by John Donovan and Longhorn Wealth Management Group. We want to thank them for sponsoring today's show. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for the super chats. Be sure to head on over to ontexasfootball.com to get the latest and greatest in Longhorn coverage and news, discussion, If you haven't already joined, you need to head over there, join the message boards. And we got all kinds of good discussion going on right now. Like Bobby's article that he was talking about earlier this morning about steady improvement, continuous improvement, all kinds of good stuff. So be sure to go check that out. And then if you haven't already, be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate that. I got a little example up there. So you got to be a, you either have to have a YouTube account or Google account, then you can subscribe. Uh, to the channel and then ring the bell so you're notified anytime and every time we post a video or go live with breaking news. So for C.J. Vogel and Bobby Burton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Have a good week, guys. Happy Monday.
2: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger.